0: to the exp podcast uh i'm joined once again by Cam and lawyer for another exciting episode where we're going to be talking about a career in games i have two wonderful guests with us this week clinton and lincoln and they're going to introduce themselves clinton why don't you start us off
1: Sure, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, my name is Clinton Crumpler, um, and I'm the uh, owner and founder of uh, Decagon Studios, and then uh, currently I'm also working as a principal artist uh, through Decagon with uh, Midwinter Entertainment.
0: And Lincoln, what about you?
1: Uh,
2: I'm uh, an assistant art director at Two Games. I've been in the game industry for maybe about 15 years now. I've worked for, most notably, the studios I've worked for are uh, Warner Brothers Games, Relic, Electronic Arts, and I'm currently at uh, two games in Montreal.
0: All right, then. So to start our talk about kind of building a career in games, it's probably a good place to, to start with kind of how you got to where you are today and your guys' kind of journey. So where you started and kind of how that went through. So you mentioned a little bit about um, kind of what you've been doing, Lincoln. So why don't you kind of continue that for us and give us the full rundown of your your history? Uh, um, Well... Cool.
2: I kind of, I started as like a kind of a prop artist at uh, this company called Piranha in Vancouver and, uh, you know, slowly kind of transitioned into concept art while I was there and then, you know, moved on to outsourcing more prop art. And then, you know, I I kind of got a a big break after maybe like six years in the game industry. I think I was at uh, Relic in uh, Vancouver at the time and got like a full time job at uh, Ubisoft. This is, I think, this is like 2012, something like that, in uh, Montreal with uh, Tim Simpson. Actually, he was my uh, my roommate at nice. the time. So he actually got a job at Ubisoft, and he's like, "Hey, do you uh do you want to come with me?" <laughs> and i had like i had just broken up with my girlfriend, and uh, he was like, "Dude, there isn't a better time to leave Vancouver than right now." <laughs> so uh
3: I yeah, I listens like, to this, and he's
4: like, "I remember." <laughs>
2: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was great. We like, and this is actually way back in, uh, I was at Relic and Relic got, uh, they, they were owned by THQ at the time and THQ was having like drastic, uh, financial problems. And, uh, they ended up laying everybody off. Like, even though they knew that me and Tim were going to, uh, to Ubisoft, like they basically still took us in a room and they were like, yeah, we're still paying you severance. <laughs> So, uh, nice. yeah, they like they gave us severance, even though we were leaving anyways. And uh, we went to Vegas and uh, <laughs> and then I, I proceeded to get uh, a four of a kind <laughs> nice. on, uh, at, at one of the casinos there on like the day where you get paid for getting a four of a kind. And I uh, made a bunch of money and then uh, went to Ubisoft. <laughs> it, was, right. it was really fun.
0: Ah, so step one is yeah, gam- so, gamble everything away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the has been no. Step <laughs> one is gamble and make money.
2: And If you're bad, <laughs> then don't proceed to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> Just take the money
3: and
5: run in that case. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. So I uh, don't Yeah, like I've over the years I've I've kind of you know I've, I've dabbled between like concept art, lighting, uh, level art, props, um, technical art, and. uh you know, like all of those different things have kind of put me on the path where I am right now, which is an uh, assistant art director at, at Tuke. So, um, you know, at Tuke it's, it's a smaller studio, so I get to kind of, you know, have my finger in a bunch of different pies at the same time. So, you know, I get to do technical art once in a while, lighting, level art, uh, you know, some prop stuff, get to help out with pipelines. And, uh, um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I, I like uh, doing a bit of everything. I, I don't like doing one thing. So... Um, yeah, it's it's kind of nice, you know.
6: Is there like a thing that you really like doing that you don't get to do as much anymore?
2: Uh, not really. Like I kind of get to do everything
6: <laughs> where I am oh, right now,
2: awesome. and that, yeah, that's that's part of like why I I love it so much, right? Like I I think if if I was at like a big studio like uh, Electronic Arts in you know Vancouver and I was just modeling like hockey jerseys or something like that, I would. I wouldn't like it, you know, like I, I love electronic arts, but like if, if I was just doing like that one thing and I was very, very hyper specialized, then, you know, I, I don't think I'd be nearly as happy.
3: Makes sense. I kind of understand that, to be honest, like just doing the same thing over and over again. It could be a bit.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ring. Like you, you need variety, right? And like you kind of, if you kind of like max out, like if you get super specialized, you kind of max out like your your skill set after a while and you know you you kind of need to keep constantly learning and like you know with with the endless kind of technological advancement that's always happening like having being able to constantly learn new things and you know learn new techniques that uh improve the speed of you know your pipeline or something like that will uh, you kind of need to do that right and and it's fun to do because you're like oh, wow, I, that thing that took me like, you know, 10 days to do before I can do in the click of a button, which it, that stuff's super interesting to me.
0: All right. And we'll uh, throw it over to Benton as well to kind of give us uh, his story.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, I started out originally actually uh, going to school for graphic design. So um, I went to school for graphic design for four years and then uh, completed my bachelor's in that. And then... I got out and I was like, I hate graphic design. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I think it's amazing. I think the people that do it are super talented, but you have to be like, you have to be like the top 10% to make a great career out of it, like to be really successful. And I, I just, I didn't feel like I was quite there. And also I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt like something was lacking with like how I received uh, satisfaction through art. And so um I decided to go back to school for animation and then, I got my undergraduate animation as well, and I realized I didn't like that either. <laughs> you I'm burning them? <laughs> through cash, just burning through it. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, okay." I do. I did find something in that though that I definitely found gratifying, which is like modeling, texturing, lighting, and just like scene composition and telling stories uh, visually through 3D. And so um, that kind of led me to uh, my uh, graduate degree, which was uh, uh, game art, game art, and like a design theory. Um, and I, I was never, I've never been into like big into programming or coding or anything like that, but I just do like, I do like the way that there are some technical abilities that, uh, kind of sit well with art. And I kind of like that in between spot uh, for most of the things I was creating. So, um, yeah, I, I, from there, I, I graduated from SCAD with, uh, my master's and then, um, I got a job from a studio called army game studio in Alabama. So. There's a smaller studio, but they were, uh, they were doing like propaganda games and things like that for the States. Uh, and I'm, I'm a pacifist myself, so it was kind of a weird fit, but, uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the work nonetheless. It was fun to still learn a lot. And then, uh, from there I moved on to, that was just like for props and textures and like working in environments. Um, and then from there I moved on to a studio in San Francisco called Kickseye. and, uh, yeah, that was like a mobile studio to start out with. And they were working in um, Unreal or UDK at the time. And then at the time, also, they had some kind of connection to uh, Epic Games. And so we got a, like, a really early demo to practice and try out uh, Unreal 4 before it came out. Like I think it was about a year and a half before it came out. Damn. Yeah. And so it was really fun to work on because I, I had been working in UDK before that. And so it was a lot of similarities, but there was a lot of like really cool new tech and stuff like that. And so we actually switched over to working on this like kind of high end tank game, which is really fun. Um, and so I worked on that for quite some time. And I also was doing a bunch of like contract work at the time. I actually worked for Tuket at, at one point on a World War Machine a couple years ago. <laughs> Did you work <web> together? <laughs> no, no, no. This was just like a, I don't even think we overlapped. I think this was like this was like this had to be at least seven, eight, maybe even nine years ago. It's quite some time. Um, and then I was doing a bunch of like contract work like that. And then also I, was, I started teaching uh, at Digital Tutors and a couple other things. Um Yeah, and then kind of uh after that, I worked there for, I think, three and a half years on that game, the tank game. And then they decided to end up shelving it and they laid us all off, you know, the normal story.
6: <laughs> and then you went <laughs> to <laughs> Vegas.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exact same thing, like yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, uh, I think that was kind of a, pretty big turning point for me because i I feel like any 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 good artist in the industry long enough is going to get laid off eventually it's just like it's just the nature of the beast which is kind of unfortunate but like i feel like Uh, you kind of make or break yourself at that point like you kind of you kind of get back up and like it's like okay i now know how this works and i'm just gonna make the best of it or you kind of like just give up you're like that was my first job actually like within two months it was being laid off so i kind of agree with you there It's, it's the make or break moment For sure. Yeah. And I I was actually talking to my wife about this last night because I remember I got laid off and I was living in San Francisco and it's very expensive to live in San Francisco. So I remember I wasn't doing I had just moved to the big city like in San Francisco, like, you know, I've only been there for three years. So it was like a pretty big change for me from moving from like Virginia to Savannah to Alabama to all these kind of smaller towns to like San Francisco, which is like vastly more expensive and bigger and much harder to do, like figure out like your expenses and everything like that. So. I wasn't very good at like keeping an eye on like how much I was spending and stuff. And so like, as soon as I got laid off, I was like, Oh crap, I only have like enough money for like one month of rent left. <laughs> Shit. So I just remember like yeah, <laughs> my wife took my, my girlfriend at the time and my wife now she took me to pizza and she was like, she was like, do you want one slice or two? I was like, I think <laughs> I can only afford like a one. And I was like, that's, that's all the money I have left. was It was rough. It was rough. So, uh but yeah, I mean like, after that, I kind of just like, uh, made the decision to kind of be more of a, pro- a proponent for myself to just like make sure like I always like, lo- I looked out for me and like made sure like I, I was checking on my own career before I like assumed that the company was going to take care of me. And so that, uh, uh, I moved, after that, I moved to, um, we moved to Austin and we, I started working at Bethesda. Uh, and that was really fun. I really liked Austin. Austin's a super great town. Uh, and I really liked working at Bethesda. That was fun. It's definitely a different experience. And then, uh, after that, we moved. Uh, I had a friend, I was at Bethesda for, I think, a year and a half. And I had a friend contact me and say, Hey, man, like, he went, we went to school together and he was like, Hey, we need a guy that's like sort of technical, sort of artist to work on, uh, Gears 4. And I was like, Oh, man, that sounds like a dream. I've all, I've just always been a, a huge Gears fan. So, uh, and I, uh, I went to Canada when I was six years old on a field trip, and I was like, "Man, people here are so nice." And <laughs> I had that like, always stuck in my head that like I wanted to move to Canada. Ooh. So I was like, "Man, this is like a perfect opportunity." Jesus so I, yeah, I convinced my wife to move, and we moved up here, uh, and we worked at I worked at Microsoft for a few years. Um, yeah, I really, I, and we decided we loved Canada so much we didn't want to move back. So uh, we've been ever here ever since. And then uh, that's also here was where I formed uh, Decagon which is the United States company because I'm originally from the States. But uh, yeah, we formed Decagon and I started working with Microsoft through Decagon and then uh, eventually uh, found my way to Midwinter Entertainment, which, where I'm at right now uh, as a principal environment artist.
3: What a journey you both have had, honestly. Yeah.
6: Like,
1: you've been <laughs> all around the planet,
3: all these different big companies that everyone dreams to, to go to.
6: and All these life-changing events here and there. Yeah,
3: Vegas, squandering all this money or winning all the money. <laughs> One or two <laughs> slices of pizza. I but, played. But, but, but I think uh, the most common thing that you both said was, like, you've done a bit of everything. So Lincoln's done proper uh, concept art, 3D modeling, he enjoys the, the tech side and vice versa. Same for Lincoln. So I guess my question is, because a lot of students, especially in juniors, they don't know what to to tailor their skills to. Like I get asked all the time, so I'm sure you will. But like, should I have environments on my portfolio or props or like tech stuff? So like, how did you, how did you kind of progress
5: your skill set to where you are now? I guess we could start with Lincoln on that. Sure. Uh,
2: I think, I think the hardest thing is actually realizing what you want to do. You know, it's like, what are you super passionate about? Um, What's your favorite? What's the thing that you can continue doing and practicing for the next five years uh, where, and you know, maybe it's one year, maybe it's two years, maybe it's five, however, however long it takes you uh, something that you're so passionate about that, uh, you know, every second day after work, you're going home and working on it in your spare time to create a portfolio. If if you're not passionate about it, if, uh, if you're not, if you're kind of semi on the fence of like, Oh, what should I do? Uh, I don't know then uh i i don't think it's going to work like you have to really devote yourself to uh learning the the techniques and uh creating the portfolio to to follow through and and kind of elevate you towards the specialization that that you choose right
5: makes sense i kind of acted, i can see that
2: yeah sorry what 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 was uh what was the question
3: <laughs> <laughs> i was mainly like how you how you kind of select what to work on in your, in your spare time. Cause, um, like students, all they always, they always oh, say it, like, do I work oh, on environments or props? And okay. I think working to your passion makes sense. Yeah. Like how
5: people Typically,
3: understand how to select that sort of stuff.
2: Typically yeah. in, in your spare time. Yeah. If it's, if it's a, a spare time thing where, you know, you're, you're not in the industry yet, but you're kind of trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like if, if you're like super passionate about something you're you're always kind of going to follow through on it and you know yeah motivation might be a factor you might uh, be lacking motivation or you might not feel like working on it but still be passionate about it uh i don't know just force yourself to do it anyways and yes i know it's not as simple as that <laughs> i'm an artist too <laughs> but uh i i think like if you know it's 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 legit if if you can actually force yourself to start something and then you know, see results. As soon as you see results, you're—that's the you hardest part, create,
4: man.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to create that perpetual motion of, oh shit, you know, I I have a a six pack now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a six pack. Oh wow. Okay. I need to keep doing this. I'm feeling better. I, I don't feel sluggish. You know, like as soon as you see results in like almost anything that you're passionate about, you're see you're always going to follow through, right?
3: Definitely, um, and I, I guess that kind of runs in line with uh, Clinton and, and Decagon because imagine building a company from the ground up—you need like a shit ton of motivation and just drive to get it off the ground. Because
1: I, I feel like experience points are going through that, but I have no idea how you how you did uh, how you got Decagon off the ground. <laughs> man, I, I wish I had I wish I had four hundred hours in the day instead of 24 <laughs> 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 Yeah, I man first off having a patient wife definitely helps <laughs> because I don't, I don't think I could have done it otherwise <laughs> for sure. Cause she's, she's definitely patient with me in my, the time I spent on this stuff. But yeah, I think yeah, it's like, like Lincoln was saying, just like, just really perseverance. And like a lot, of, a lot of days you'll get up and you're like, I just don't feel like doing this today. But like, those are the days you need to try even harder because like, you kind of have to overcome those, those hurdles and humps to like, uh, just push on through. And it's yeah. like, like you're saying, it's like, if, if you're passionate about it, it'll, it'll show. And like, um, yeah, but like Decagon, it was like a labor of love. Like, I really, I really enjoyed working with a lot of artists and, uh, and Decagon was kind of formed out of that with just being able to work with people kind of all over the world that really had like skills and abilities that, uh, were kind of untapped because of the, the nature of the, the market and having to be on site and everything like that, which now it's kind of ironic that we're all like switching to, <laughs> uh, remote work with all the COVID stuff. But yeah, I think, um, in regards to like, uh, like what you should be working on in your in your and in your spare time as like a, a junior or like an entry level artist. I think the biggest thing I always tell my students is like um, always focus on like uh, yeah what what makes you happy, what makes you content throughout the day, and also like like would you, if you looked at your portfolio, like what would, what would you hire you like like do you seem to yourself as like a hireable like individual? Like are you are you pumped when you look at your own portfolio? And the answer is no. Then you need to keep pushing yourself. Um because that's really gonna yeah. that's really gonna show with the employer if you're if you're hireable or not, or if you're if you're in that position to be ready for like a production role.
5: Yeah. Just to add on to
2: that, like you, you don't like I man, artists love to self deprecate. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah,
3: <you're learning laughs> all the time. Uh, yeah. Every day, man. <laughs> Every day.
2: Yeah, yeah. And sorry, just to in case anybody misheard, I didn't say self defecate I said self-deprecate. <laughs> but um, sometimes, uh, yeah, depending <laughs> on the day. Once in a while, it's happened, it happened three times. throughout. The time. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I don't know. If that's seriously like if if you can catch those thoughts, and you know, like it, there's like there's tons of videos out there on like imposter syndrome, and oh, you know, even like before I walked into uh, this podcast, I was like. Oh my god, I man, I just kinda had this subconscious thought of they'll discover you.
5: Yeah,
2: like and and like every artist has that. So like Definitely. you know, figure out a way to ignore all that it, it it's like it's just the worst thing that you can do. And and as soon as you can identify it and kind of move past it, the the better, right? Definitely so,
6: yeah, I think having yeah. a goal helps, right? Like having an idea of what you want to get to uh, two years from now, five years from now, or even like short short term, like uh, what you want your portfolio to be six months from now. I think having that sort of solid goal helps. But like so many people that we talk to, even through eXp and everything, they're, they all struggle with the motivation. And quite often I tell them like, just, just persevere, man. Like it's hard and it's not, it's kind of not sh- the shit advice, but you know, just keep going. Just focus on what's good about your work and just keep, trying to push yourself to that goal but uh yeah it is hard to get that motivation isn't
5: it yeah definitely yeah
1: Yeah. i mean i think i think it's always too it's like you you want to be hard on yourself but not too hard on yourself right it's like it's a tricky balance to find because like it's like almost mixed messages when sometimes you'll be like working with a student and they'll say like you'll say like oh there's like the ebb and flow of like the artist which is like You know, you make something and you're like, oh, this looks great. This looks great. And then you reach that hump and you come back down where it's like, oh, this looks awful. This looks awful. But then you learn the most in that kind of like crappy time. And then you like come back up to the top of the hump. You're like, oh, this is looking great. This is looking great. And so it's like just learning to like kind of work with those ebbs and flows to know like, oh, yeah, I am getting better. I am improving regardless of like, like if I thought the last thing I did was better than this thing, I'm still learning something new through every kind of experience I'm having.
2: And just to add on to that, like I think the times where I've learned like the most, you know, not, not just in art in basically anything in my life. It was, uh, when I was just completely fucked.
5: Yeah, definitely.
3: You know, it's <laughs> like
2: when you your your back is the corner. You, you just got laid off from your job. You have no money and you kind of like, you have to figure it out. Right. So you have to learn new techniques. You have to figure out what you need to do to actually get by. And, uh, you know, and and in the moment you're like freaking out, and it, it's very stressful and anxiety ridden. But um, after, you know, you can be like, "Holy shit, like, I did that! Okay, you know, it's yeah, it's reason times. to be proud of." Yourself, right?
5: Definitely. I mean,
3: those are scary times, man. When you have no money and you don't know the, the next step. Oh yeah. Where
5: the next move was coming yeah. from, I can imagine.
1: Yeah, it's hard yeah. too, too, because like, when, as as like a game artist, like it's like. I feel like for a long time there was always like this kind of weird stipulation behind like when you're like oh I I work, I make game art art for games or I work on games it's like it wasn't taken as seriously like 10 years ago so like when you're broke and you're telling people that you're like making games everyone's like that's laughable like you it's should like maybe do a hobby. real <laughs> job <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah. that I, makes I, I frustrating. I always frustrating <laughs>
2: I always I always found it really interesting like you go to a party and there's there's some uh I was about to use the C word, but I shouldn't do that <laughs> uh, after all. Uh, that's like, oh, so you play video games all day?
4: Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> and, and you're just- like, yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I do technical art for video games. I I do the 3D art. I create the environments, et cetera. Like you have to like justify Explain. your existence, uh, you know. Yeah, I was like trying, trying to yeah. explain
6: to your mother no i don't i don't paint pictures all day <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, there's so much more to it <laughs> <laughs> unless you're a
3: concept so then yeah you might be painting pictures most even of the then, then that's yeah, so, like, so
6: much more to that like figuring out like all of these little things about the game right but like yeah so
3: me because i guess me luan and tim have quite yeah you know, we have a bunch of meetings now and then but you guys I mean lincoln's art direct like assistant art director and came you own your own studio so how many meetings do you guys have on a on a daily basis <laughs>
5: oh <Woo-wee. laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah okay uh i think maybe about 30 to 40 percent of uh of my time yeah. is, is devoted to meetings but but uh i have uh my my producer is his name is uh vincent girl he's I used to work with him back at uh, Warner Brothers Games, and he's he was like uh, my art lead before. So he's kind of like half art lead, half producer, and that guy makes my life possible. <laughs> <laughs> he he basically like alleviates you know fifty percent of the meetings that I would have to have by being there and then kind of relaying the information to me or organizing things. Uh, he basically makes my life easier so that I can actually do more. Or devote more of my time to creating art, which—that's what you want. Which, thank God, right? Yeah, like I, 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 I like being in meetings. I like giving feedback once in a while, depending on the meeting. But uh, you know, it it gets to a point where you're like, okay, some days seventy percent. You're like, holy shit! Like, I, I need to do this. I need to do to do this, but I, I can't. You know, because you just there isn't enough time in a day unless you want to work.
1: Yeah, you You need those four hundred hour days, man. Well, me. no joke. <laughs> 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 man, that, that's so true, though. Man, like having a good like producer or art coordinator or, or whatever. Like, man, that makes such a difference. Like, we have we have Taylor oh, yeah, Brown and Decagon, man. Like, I I couldn't do yeah, yeah, like you're saying, like any of the things I I get done without without Taylor. And so, like, it makes a big difference. Like having those people in those roles that really make sure that the wheels are like greased. Man, it just it just makes the world a difference. And I, I've been at studios where they've been like pretty much no meetings. And I've been at studios where there's like way too many meetings. And I, I would say like, there's definitely a sweet spot, but like there's, there's definitely like a merit to having meetings because many times when I've been at studios where there's no meetings, it's like, Oh man, like no one knows what the hell's going on. Like no one has any visibility on yeah, yeah. what some other guy like literally next to the person is making. And so it's like, why did we all make this same asset? Like we, how the, <laughs> why do we have so many like dumpsters? There's no need <laughs> for the dumpsters. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's just like that clarity makes a big difference,
6: and it helps for getting that uh, record yeah. of what we you agreed to do, right? Because like sometimes exactly. you you might get uh, a designer or something that said, "Oh, why are you doing that?" It's like because you told me there's meetings. Exactly. Yeah, it keeps. Yeah, it keeps, I, it keeps I, also I also think, think
2: it's. it's
5: go ahead. Go
2: ahead. It's about kind of analyzing uh, what you're best at, right? It's like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good at kind of being in meetings and giving feedback, but. I'm a lot better at actually doing art. <laughs> so like if, if, if we can kind of come to an arrangement where, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's there to alleviate that responsibility for me and get me doing what I'm good at, then, you know, it, it kind of works out for everybody. Right. So it's just kind of finding that middle ground for, uh, you know, where your value to uh, the company or to yourself or whatever you like doing, or you know, whatnot, uh, where that comes into play and how you can mediate it to uh, work. Or you and the company at the same time?
1: <laughs> for sure, yeah. I I find it, I I actually I'm I actually struggle with that every day myself. Like where I am definitely on the side of like I love everything about that I do with Decagon, but I also am, like sometimes I'm like, oh man, I, I just want to make a little art. And so like I think just like carving that time out for yourself and like finding that balance is it's really tricky for anybody, especially as you get further in your career. You're gonna find it's gonna be much more <laughs> management overall, uh, or like you know, working with other like learners or like, you know, up and coming artists that really is going to take time away from your day. In, in, in good ways though, right? Like it's like, it's very really rewarding to work with artists and like get them to a place of like, of, of like levity where they're like at a really good point where they're like learning every day and they're like pushing the, the overall art goals. But it's like some days you're like, Oh man, I just want to sit down and make a little art today. And so, yeah, I think finding that balance is definitely, definitely tricky to say the least.
2: Totally. Yeah, it's, it's super rewarding to see uh, to see the improvement in the artists that, you know, you're kind of contributing to here and there with, like, your mm-hmm. comments and feedback. Definitely. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's like, oh, after six months, they're, like, they're, you know, dominating. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> the, feedback, the the amount of feedback that you actually have to give is, like, you know, 50th of, uh, of what you had to before. And, and there's a general kind of, relationship that's kind of founded on trust Mm -hmm. uh, and that trust is backed up by the quality that the artist is, is creating on a daily basis. That's, that is really, really rewarding.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's like an investment essentially, right? Like you're, you're investing in the quality of, of, of we and not me. And I think that's a really important step that, that a lot of artists take when they, a lot of people will say, oh, what makes the difference between like a mid level or a senior or a principal or an art director or this? And it's like, I think it's when you shift your mindset. Like, it's no longer me, it's, it's more we. Like, what is, what is the goal of us, not, not the goal of me?
2: That's one of the hardest things to shift to. Definitely. Definitely. Because, like, yeah, you'll, like, you'll get in that position and you're like, you have a hard time trusting people. You have a hard time being like, okay, well, I can just leave this to you and you can kind of play around in your own corner and create something. Uh, But I'm going to watch you like a hawk for the first little bit, but then, Oh wow. You, you get surprised. You're like, Holy crap. Like this person's like really talented and man, that's, that's amazing. Right.
5: Yeah.
1: It's super rewarding for sure. Like, yeah, it's like you've, you've, it's like, you've both chosen wisely the decisions that have led to this moment where you, you see the rewards on both ends, which is really nice to see, for sure.
2: Yeah. Sorry to uh, interrupt. I really have to pee really bad.
5: <laughs> that's all that vodka. Yeah, go uh, for that's it. That's all that vodka.
2: straight through
3: here. All right. <that vodka. laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. We'll, you, like, we'll one cut this part out.
5: And-
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's oh, we'll
0: great. Or you can do yeah. it. It'll okay, be, it'll be just, really interesting. Just stay. <laughs> I'm just gonna oh, edit yeah. in some, like, liquid pouring noises for 30 seconds.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom door stall just... Yeah, seriously. Whee!
3: <laughs> he hasn't had two bottles, because he must have had, like, eight or nine if he's
0: going through.
4: <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> it, well, he didn't say the quantity. He didn't say one or two glasses.
4: <laughs> Jugs,
3: whatever. <laughs> just the whole bottle. Just <laughs> two bottles. Yeah,
6: (laughs) I thought I was past the days of like drinking at twelve PM, one (laughs) PM.
3: Just sometimes you gotta make an exception, I guess you know.
0: Can't turn down a good deal. You go in the supermarket and it's buy one get one free. You buy two,
1: buy one get one free alcohol. Man, man. yeah, seriously, I wish we had that in Canada. (laughs) Man, Um, alcohol in Canada is so expensive. It's the most expensive I've ever been, like I've ever seen in any country.
6: I was doing some comparisons a little while ago because uh, I had a friend that was going to uh, Ubisoft uh, Toronto, and um, we we're comparing with here, and I live in a really expensive town, right? Uh, and we, I thought, you know what? It's going to be cheap. It's going to be so much cheaper than here because UK is so expensive for alcohol and all this. Man, it is expensive. Like, Toronto specifically even yes. more. How much like, is uh, a
1: bottle of Jack Daniels, I guess, roughly? Man, it could be like $23, $30 sometimes. It's a crazy town. Like, for instance, like like I remember when I was living in Austin, man, you you could buy a beer cheaper than you could buy a soda. It's crazy. It's so nice. Like you'd that's be like, nuts. oh yeah, let me get a beer at lunch because like it's cheaper than ordering a soda. So I'll just get that instead. <laughs> I but guess that's like, a good argument at lunch. Now. Yeah. <laughs> why, why have you been drinking on the job? Well, wow, yeah, like cheaper. Cheaper. <laughs> yeah, right. It's cheaper. I was just trying to save a buck. Come on. But yeah, then, <laughs> then when you I moved up here, I was like, dang, it's like. Thanks four or five dollars for a single beer sometimes i'm like for like like to buy at the store much less to buy at a restaurant where it could be like seven to eight it's kind of crazy
3: man holy shit yeah
1: it's 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 pricey yeah
5: it's
1: expensive to drink
3: (laughs) it's expensive to have fun basically (laughs) we work to drink
5: yeah it's a shame
0: (laughs) do we have lincoln back yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm he, he, cool. He's ready for a round, dude. All right, so, um, yeah, <laughs> welcome back to the Alcohol Podcast where we discuss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll jump back into kind of where we were. So, uh, you guys were kind of talking about um, the mindset of switching between actually being able to manage and lead people. And, and that's probably a really good uh, topic to, to go into a bit more detail on in a kind of career in games. Cause there is a point sort of in everyone's career at a longer term where you probably will end up having to go into a position where you're either leading a small team, a large team, whatever it is, and those kind of um soft skills of leadership are not something um that you can necessarily, you know, naturally pick up and not everyone's a great natural leader. Um definitely. But you guys are quite well versed in that, so it'd be good to kind of get your take on on how to be a better leader or Kind of things you've picked up in your time. um Maybe we'll start with Clinton because you've got that uh, decagon experience there. So um, give us some fantastic insight on.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I mean, like, with yeah, with Deckergan, it's, it's definitely been a learning experience. Like, I we've been uh, around for about three and a half years now, but I mean, really, the, the bulk of most of the contract work we've been doing has been only about two. And so, yeah, like every year, I'm learning something ex- extremely different, especially when it comes to like management styles and like working with different kind of artists, especially like internationally and everything like that. There's like, you know, lots of things to come from that. And I think the biggest thing like you were saying, like not everyone is a born leader. There's, there's tons of artists that I've worked with and I'm like, oh, this person's a great artist, but I, I don't see them in a leadership role just because they like to kind of either lone wolf or they're just like, you know, they don't, they're not really preferable to like having that responsibility to lead over others. And then I've also worked with artists that I'm like, oh, yeah, they're, they're pretty decent artists, but their leadership skills are like, superb, like phenomenal at like understanding like the context of like the micro and the macro situation and understanding like, you know, the ins and outs of the project and what, like what we should really be paying attention to and like what's going on here and there. And so I find that you, you start to identify those things as like a company owner, like you start to realize like what potentials people have and also like what things people are working on and how to like continue to help them develop that. And like, I think the biggest thing like I have worked on is like yeah just the interaction with those people and like also like just learning how to best conflict resolution like i honestly think like the the biggest thing anyone will learn when they come into a management role is like conflict resolution and how to like deal with any given situation when it occurs like like how do you not get upset or angry or mad or frustrated with the situation like how do you just resolve it in the best way possible because as you get further into management you know and your career it's the the issues are only going to be more exponentially harder to deal with as you get further, because like it's not, it's going to go from like, Oh, I have a normal map bake issue to like, Oh, the company is like going to crumble if I don't do this one thing. <laughs> <a huge> difference. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you start to really like just cons- like contextualize, contextualize the, the relevance of like how important certain things are compared to others. And so I think just like, learning to train your mind as to like how to best deal with those things is like definitely the the hardest thing to learn further in your career i think like it's not so much about like oh what makes a good composition it's more about like how can we all work in tandem to reach the the absolute like best goal of mine kind of thing
6: well have you found that it's quite helpful to get into change that mindset essentially like well, was there something that really helped you specifically or
1: yeah i think yeah i mean i think like the the biggest thing was was like to try to like i i would say like the first the first big turning point for me was like definitely like losing that my job like i was like okay i i need to realize that like i need to look out for myself in this terms of like my own security but i also need to be aware of like the like like what's going on around me at all times like what's going on in the company what's going on with like the team and like I think that kind of opened my eyes to stop thinking, being so focused on laser, focused on like, oh, I'm making art and like, I'm just looking at my computer screen to being like, oh, what is the goal of the company? What is the goal of the project? Like, what is the goal of all of us? to Get to the, to the final result, regardless of what I'm narrowing down on myself that day. And so I think that definitely helped me like push my understanding of like bigger picture overall. And then moving from there, I think just like, working on like different types of teams. So I've worked on like super small indie teams. I've worked on like big production teams with like lots of artists. And I think seeing those different workflows and how, what parts of each works, I've kind of incorporated like different aspects of those different types of uh, of uh, working techniques into Decagon and to like kind of more of like a hybrid technique between the two. And so I find that that having those, so, like somebody asked me, one of my students in class, they asked me the other day, they're like, oh, why... Uh, why does decagon like why why didn't you start it earlier like why didn't you just like do decagon right away like what prevented you from doing that and i was like oh you have you have to have those life experiences to get to this point like there's i having the connections having the firm understanding of like how management styles work like what which ones work best for me which one works best for other artists and like understanding like just the pipeline and process between multiple studios has kind of opened my eyes to like understanding like well, these are the best parts of all those experiences now culminated into one to try to be- provide the best experiences to my artists and Decagon kind of thing. So I think, I think just being like very worldly and understanding of like, uh, multiple scenarios that people are going to go through in their lives definitely helps you to try to be the best manager you kind of be, can be in that scenario for sure.
2: Yeah. Like, man, that was. That was like the most eloquently worded.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: going to get the uh, raw Lincoln right now. <laughs> the whole time that you were talking, I was just like, oh, no, I have to fucking, I have to follow this. this? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, man, I, I totally agree. I think like one of the, the hugest things is, uh, is empathy. Is is like understanding what all of your artists want. And uh, how they plan on on getting there, and I'm still working on that. Like I'm I'm fairly new to the whole assistant art director thing, and and like Clinton said, it's totally a learning experience. And you know, patience is a huge part of it. And you know, switching that mindset from I'm I'm the guy that does the art to I'm the guy that helps other people do the art is uh, mm-hmm. is hard, right? Because you've been very reliant on yourself to be able to do things for a long time. And then you have to kind of transition to, okay, I have, I have six artists that I have to help. Right. And if, if those six artists are people that you legitimately care about and, uh, you want them to succeed and and you want them to, you you want to help them, then that's, you know, that's a win-win for everybody. Right. And, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll queue up on it. They'll know that you care. And, uh, and because of that like they're instantly going to start feeling more inspired and and start listening to you and uh yeah so i don't want to go much further cuz i'm i'm just going to embarrass myself following uh, Clinton. <laughs> no, no way man No amazing. way <laughs> <laughs> yeah but well, i
3: guess i guess the next thing on cuz that's keeping the team happy and kind of the morale up and giving feedback and stuff but how do you ensure the, the art direction is, is consistent throughout your projects? So the game you're working on at took so games, for example, Lincoln, like how do you make sure that the work everyone's producing is of the
5: same like caliber? Uh I think
2: a big part of it isn't isn't me. A big part of it is uh is me kind of doling out responsibilities to people and then relying on them and trusting them to help me with that job because it's such a big job like it you know every prop that goes into the game i can't i don't have time to look at it and, and give specific feedback on that that one prop you know <laughs> it's like, I have to yeah we have a ton of different missions and then there's content and then there's you know it, like it's not just our direction it's like trying to figure out okay what does the game need to be better so like it, it's like i'm kind of in a position right now at least you know, I, I believe that I'm in a in a position where uh, I, I can give feedback, not not just on the art, but like kind of chiming in my voice here and here and there on like gameplay and, and stuff like that. Because like I kind of you know, I feel like I'm at a point where I've played enough games throughout my thirty four years on this planet where I, I kind of understand the way that level design works, right? So it's kind of going back and forth with all the departments and syncing up with them and uh and making sure that you know, everybody's on the same page. It's it's not just the artists. It's uh, it's the designers, the animators, the narrative, like everybody, right? Yeah, and okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and it's like Clinton was saying earlier. It's it's macro. It's not micro. Like, and I've I have a hard time uh, sometimes focusing on the micro mm-hmm. because I, I I don't like it. I, I I'm not a prop modeler. Like I don't like modeling individual bolts. I like figuring out how I can make the entire gun with a click of a button. <laughs> you know, like I want to, I want to have a gun generator. I click a button, there's a new gun every time. Boom. And it looks amazing, right? That'd be epic. Uh, yeah. And you know that that stuff's going to happen in, in like the next few years. It's not already happening right now. So um, yeah, I, I think I, I probably went off on a, a weird tangent there, but i stand by my words
5: yeah they're always good
3: <laughs> they're always good and welcome on the exp podcast so we'll throw it over to Link,
1: uh, clinton then to have you his then his yeah i think i think like trust yeah i think essentially what lincoln was saying is like you it's it's interesting because like at at first with Decker guy I, I thought it was more about like oh like just get the best artist like that's the key to like getting a good studio and it's like it's much more beyond that like after you've gotten a good good artist like you have to like gain trust with them because if you don't it doesn't matter how good an artist is like they're like any artist is only going to perform if they feel respected and they also feel like they're part of the team and like part of the overall goal and it's like if you feel removed from that like it doesn't matter how good you are you're not invested and so i think like just forming those relationships with people that have gone and like finding ways to like form those like bonds and trust with each other and just like understanding like like you're saying like empathy like like i understand like where you're coming from and you understand where i'm coming from and you understand my background and i understand yours and like how can we reach this goal together and like how can we work together to to make sure that we're both like performing as best we can and so like yeah just just finding that balance is really tough and like yeah i think it's just like you you have to go from like definitely that that's mindset of like oh i can make this art and that was something I definitely struggled with when we first started is like, if it, if it, like, someone wasn't doing it quite how I wanted it, I'd be like, oh, let me just show you. And it's like got to the point where it's like, you can't do that. You can't do that with every artist. And you can't sit down with every asset and be like, let me do this for you. Yeah. you got to get to a point where you're like, I can trust you to like take the words that I'm, sho- I'm or like the examples I'm showing you and words I'm saying to like ex- extrapolate from that to like form your own opinion and make your own art like you have to just trust in their ability to, to produce and, and to do those things.
2: Yeah. And that, that trust sometimes it takes a long time to build up, like not, not just from you, but from them to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause like you'll, you'll get artists that will question you and every decision you make, they're questioning you and you have to, you know, you have to be able to back that up with results and kind of like as, as soon as you can prove that, Okay. You, yeah, you you actually know what you're talking about, and you're you know you're making a, a decision that that is good and it kind of follows uh, the main game mechanics or the goals of the game or whatnot, right? In this specific way, then oh wow, okay, yeah, and, and then the questions kind of stop, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, even though you disagree with me, I I agree with you, which is kind of
1: weird, right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I I always think it's kind of funny how like if you think about like any ever any class you've ever taken or any instruction you've ever taken from somebody or any lesson you've ever learned. One of the first things I feel like artists do is they check out that person's like portfolio or background. (laughs) They want to know like, are they actually good enough to teach me to be better? Like, and it's like, if you're not able to provide them like confidence in in your ability to do what you're instructing them, like no one's going to be able to like follow you. And so I think that's a really important thing for a lead is like, just to be able to be like, Hey, like I, I'm, I would only like one thing I always tell my, like I, my management team is like, I would only ask of you what I would say, ask myself to like do in a production scenario. Yeah. And so it's like, if you ever feel like I'm, I'm overstepping that bounds, tell me so that we can figure out a better way to deal with the situation. Um, And that goes for like artists as well too. Like you, you always want to like just continue to form that, that, that bound of trust because it's like, that's really what's going to propel you both forward for sure.
2: It's also like, you know, oiling the, the pipeline of communication between you mm-hmm. and, uh, and your artists too. Like making sure that, you know, they feel like they can talk to, or they can talk to you and, and be heard in, in a way that isn't going to come down on them, right? So For like sure. more exactly like what I was saying, empathy and trust,
5: right? Yeah, definitely. Okay.
0: Um, I'm going to switch direction a little bit here. Uh, sure. and head back to something you were, were talking about earlier where you were saying about when you lost your job and how important uh, you realized it was to kind of always be looking out for yourself. And both of you actually have quite a big um, presence online with kind of side projects through kind of Decagan and the, the Gumroad stuff that LinkedIn does. And that kind of marketing and making sure that your personal profile is looked after as well as kind of the stuff you do in your day job um, seemed like that was quite an important thing uh, in kind of building your career. Um, So if you kind of be able to tell us a little bit more about how you kind of managed to, to market that and and build that stuff and have time really to look after um, developing your, your own kind of um, personal brands.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the, I think the biggest thing, like, yeah, like you're saying, it's just like understanding, like, there, there's no one else on this earth that's going to look after you more than you. And like, I'm not saying that to be selfish. I'm saying that as like a self preservation thing. Like, you should always be like making sure that you're, you're at least in a safe zone to continue forward with your own career. And it's like, you, you have to kind of look out your, for yourself in that regard. I think a lot of students, um, when they leave school, they are in this mentality of like, oh, the school's going to look after me. And then, the, and then when they get their first job, they're thinking like, oh, the company's going to look after me. It's like, that's would be nice to think, but like you always have to keep in mind their their, their priority is always going to be them. Like regardless of like how they help you or assist you to get to your next steps in life, they're still, their main priority is them in some regard or, or fashion or whatnot. And so like when you're in school and you leave or you graduate, like they hope for you the best to like get that job and like to like propel yourself forward. But that is not their like main focus, right? Like that's, that's just like a proponent of what they, they, are like are are all about essentially and so i find that a lot of students will graduate and they'll think that they're like owed a job or they're like owed this and it's like you can't think that way you have to think like would i hire me am i am i am i uh an asset to someone to be hired like am i an actual thing that to be desired uh and what i'm presenting and, and putting out there and so if the answer is no then like we talked about a little bit earlier like you should be continuing to to you know work on your portfolio and push yourself forward and so i think that really it just really makes a big difference as to like how you think about yourself and like how you think about your work and so You, I find that when I made that mental switch that I was much more invested in like my craft and also understanding like ways to better my technical skill and my higher ability like essentially like what things can I invest in in myself uh from a creative and from a technical standpoint that makes me a better member of the team and also a more employable member of the team um and so like some people will get into tangents where they'll think like, oh, I'm just going to make a bunch of props and do this and do that. And it's not it's like, well, does that is any of the stuff you made or worked on or pushed yourself to do like were those things that like you would think a company is after and looking for in a candidate potentially? And if the answer is no, then it's like, oh, and why spend so much time on it? Like try to find something that you do think that would propel you to that point. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like uh, I, I feel like I yeah, I'm kind of tangent in a little bit, but like, I guess, like, is that sort of kind of what you're after here? <laughs> Yeah,
2: you know so
5: all good stuff. And Lincoln, what no. about you? Sorry,
2: <laughs> <Keith>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Lincoln, I
4: think
3: I like
2: the
4: question kind of Lincoln, around Lincoln was
3: uh, <laughs> Lincoln was just taking another drink, I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so we were the question. Too. Yeah, so we were sort of talking about um, marketing yourself and and um, building stuff on the side to kind of. Um, maintain your kind of presence and career outside of the kind of professional space of the day job really
2: yeah i i think it's one of the most essential things ever <laughs> to be honest like i started actually marketing myself uh i was kind of just coasting by in uh in my career you know, I was I was at uh, Ubisoft, I think I was, I was at like, I don't know, fourth, fourth or fifth year. I can't remember, something like that year at Ubisoft. And, uh, you know, like I really liked my job and I was like, uh, you know, and maybe that part of my life was even more enjoyable because I wasn't working so much after I was done work. Uh, but I find, you know, it, in terms of like in advancing my career and, not letting it actually stagnate. Um, as soon as I, I, started to, you know, create tutorials, uh, create free content for people on Gumroad. Um, as soon as I started, you know, putting my art in forums and actually doing art on the side, uh, all these kind of doors just started opening up for me, right? So, you know, you, you get companies messaging you, asking you to do interviews. Uh, you know, there the was, uh, there was companies asking you to get you know maybe they wanted you to be a lead when you were a, a senior or something like that but so like it it's definitely a huge part of advancing your career right and you know like i don't know think about it like okay we're we're hiring this guy there's there's one guy that has a nice portfolio but there's another guy that also has a nice, nice portfolio and he has 10 tutorial videos that show uh you know a hunger to show other people how to do those things that we need him to do for our company, like that's that's huge. Okay, well, I'd we rather hire that guy that has the tutorials, right? So it's a good way of finding a job. It's a good way of, of uh, building up your reputation in the game industry. It's it's a good way of uh, you know making money for yourself on the side if you're if you're creating products on the side. It's a good way of building up uh, your own business and uh, your own self confidence in terms of oh, I'm I'm learning how to talk. You know, I, I can, I can talk in YouTube videos and, and not, not say, um, every two seconds. It's like little things like that, that you're just drastically going to improve over, uh, you know, a few tutorials. And, uh, I don't know, you just kind of build the confidence and, uh, it, it, it'll definitely elevate you to uh the next level. And I really feel like ever since I started doing it, maybe like, I don't know, three, three two years ago, uh, it's, it's definitely like up to my game. Like, I'm a way better artist than I was two years ago because I was working so hard to uh, to figure all this stuff out, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, when you teach something, man, like, you have to know the sure, shit that you're teaching. Otherwise, oh, yeah. no one wants yeah, to totally. learn from you. So, it's, it's the best way to test yourself, I think. Um, I just wanted to come back yeah, to that, totally. think, where you were talking about personal work, because I know loads of people in the industry stop doing personal projects when they land a job and we have a lot of junior eyes looking for their first job listening um is that something you guys see commonly in, in the studios you work at and uh, the places you've been in the past
5: is it is it something that you guys have found the remedy
1: for um, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think personal work is super important like i i, I still strongly feel like no matter what I do as a professional job, like I still have the craving to produce uh, visually compelling art. Like I still have that like deeply rooted in myself mentally. And so like, regardless of whatever project I'm working on, I find I, I still have that drive on the side to like, Oh, I want to make something like visually compelling regardless and to the side completely of what I'm doing professionally. Um, and so I, I, I like doing that. Like mm-hmm. it's just something I really enjoy doing. But I think in a professional standpoint, I think, Doing those personal projects shows employers in the future too, like whether it be this job or the next, it shows them that you have like you still have that drive, like you still have that mentality that you want to succeed and you wanna, you know, further better yourself. I think when that kind of falls off, you start to see in the production and the the work they're producing that it's like they don't have the, the want to improve themselves as much. Like you'll find in the games industry there's a lot of there's like kind of two different types of people. There's like one person that is like constantly just trying to like better themselves They're just trying to be a good artist. They're just trying to like, you know, further their career in, in one way or another. And then you have those that are just like, I just wanted to get in. And then once I'm in, I just, I'm just going to coast. I don't really care what pr- work I produce or how I, how I better myself at that point. What you're, what you're saying? Yeah, man. That,
2: like, you know, like who, who, who are you going to want to hire? Yeah, exactly. guy that's like the boss that like comes in there and it's like you know he's he's fixing he's creating solutions for problems he's creating pipelines for uh you know various things that pipelines don't exist for he's he's just all over the place trying to improve himself and everybody on the team or the guy that kind of goes in there and he's like yeah this is a nine five like i i i'm just here to kind of maybe not do the bare minimum. Yeah. Once in a while I'll have okay work, but you know it's like they want somebody that's, you know, capable of communicating with everybody and relaying information. It, it's not just about being a good artist. It's about, uh, maybe, you know, depending on your position, like inspiring others and showing them techniques and, and elevating more than just yourself. And, uh, I think that's just a massive part of, uh, you know, being successful at, at any job that you would want to do in any career, right? And
6: mm-hmm. Ultimately, that comes down to passion, right? Like You can almost describe all of that down to like passion to make yeah, art. For sure. That's the best part about art is that
1: you can visually see how passionate someone is. That's my favorite part about it. It's like, I, I love when I see an artist's portfolio and they like, they'll have like, a, a, like a great asset and then they'll have it immaculately rendered and then they'll have like graphic design overlay that like t- like that has like its title and like who they are as an artist i just think like all those attention to details are like it just really sells it to me as like they are super passionate about the project and what they worked on from start to end they didn't like falter at any point like their their passion just resonates through their entire portfolio like the, I, there's a few artists i know like that that i'm just like I just love seeing anything they post even if it's something simple like like a really simple prop I'm just like man it's just so beautifully rendered and so well put together and composed that I'm just like this is a work of art in itself like <laughs> I would see I, I wish I could see this in like an art gallery you know it's, it's just like it's, just a, it's a great uh, thing to see
2: I want the artist that after he's done he's sitting there staring at the portfolio piece for like an hour just staring <laughs> and being like what do I do what yeah. do I do? You know yeah. that brainstorm session of like, okay, well, how do I present this? How can I make it better? How can I improve the lighting? Oh, the pixel density is off. Oh, the lighting can be changed this way. Like, there's so many. They're just brainstorming because they're so interested in it, and that feeling and and seeing that in their portfolio means so much to uh, you know somebody that's potentially going to hire them if they're an artist themselves.
3: I've been bouncing on my chair because you guys have both talked about presentation stuff, but I wanted to let you speak. But so many people neglect presentation on their projects. Like they'll do, I don't know, 50, 60 hours on a project and then two hours on presentation. (laughs) And no one wants to see like you've turned this golden piece of art into
1: like a piece of poo. And it's just so refreshing to hear both of you talk about presentation in this way. It's so true. I feel like that's a really common oh, yeah, yeah. like it's syndrome. It's like you'll see someone like spend so much time on, on a piece and then they just falter in the last ten percent and it's just really it's really disappointing because you're just like you, you you know they have it in them, but it's just like they're just so worn out from like uh, either working on the project or they're just like other things in their life that it's just like they just weren't able to get that last ten percent and it's like it, it can be really crushing to like an entire project because it really makes or breaks it in the last ten percent for sure.
2: That 10% can, you know, it, even though it only sounds like such a small number, it's like if the 10% is lighting, you know, it, it controls the look of everything. So it's actually like 90%. <laughs> yeah. So like, if, you know, in terms of lighting, if, if uh, you know, you have crappy lighting on your portfolio piece, yeah, it's 10% of the job. You have to model and texture the prop, do the high res, all that, bake it. But then, yeah, if the lighting on it looks like crap, then, yeah, the portfolio piece generally doesn't look good. So figuring out how to do that and presenting it in such a way that it looks pretty and, you know, kind of tells the story of the prop that you made is is absolutely huge. And it's worth more than 10%, even though it is only 10%, you know?
6: It can almost show, like, sometimes a lack of impatience. It's almost like you just want to get the thing out there. and You don't care if it looks... Uh you know like the most incredible thing ever but it's on your portfolio so you move on um i find a lot of people tend to be quite impatient with their art whereas i tell them you know just take take your time it's not a race uh try to make the art that you love and and get it out there in the best possible light
1: yeah for sure i think yeah trying to figure out like at what point is a diminishing return and also at what point is like you rushing art is like uh, a thing that is only, I think in my opinion, I only learned from experience. Like that's something no one can really teach you very well. You have to just kind of like continue to gauge it on yourself. Like you have to just keep questioning yourself. Like, is this, is this ready for, for vis- like visibility to the world or do I still need it to tweak this? And it's like, you just kind of have to make that decision for yourself. And And honestly, that's, I think that's one of those few things that's like people will ask what, like, Oh, what skills as an artist can you learn and what skills are in you? Like, I think that's one of those things that you learn, but you learn only to yourself. Like no one can be like, Hey, this is it. You have to just kind of like keep practicing it mentally and be like, Oh, I think this is ready. now. I think this is at a point where I can like release this.
2: I also think it's putting yourself in a position where you don't have endless time. You have like, yes,
5: (laughs) for sure.
2: I remember in art college, it's like you'd have like, (laughs) Classes and like when I first started drawing, I was I was always focusing on the micro rather than uh, the macro, right? So like I started life drawing, and our our instructors like, yeah, you have thirty seconds, <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> okay, <You're> like, <laughs> I it's, it's like mind blowing at first, but then after like you know after like a couple classes, you're like, oh shit, yeah, like, wow, it's like it's the fastest way of actually improving how good of an artist you are because. You're not thinking about the tiny little things. You're focusing on the big things that will have the biggest impact. And uh, yeah, sorry, tangent once more. But it's a tangent, but it's a
6: good like, one, right? Because so many yeah. people will like, look at the corner of a room and tweak that little scratch in that little thing. When they zoom out, it's, it's no less. Yeah. And
1: then they light it and it's in dark.
6: Yeah,
2: yeah
6: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like
2: pixel, pixel real estate
3: right? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, where, it takes are it
2: small. Point? yeah, like, like what, what are you focusing on in the environment and how can you focus on that so that that combined with the whole image, uh, is actually visible <laughs> and you're focusing your, your attention in the right spots and making that one thing really pop. Right. So, yeah. Uh,
5: sure. I have,
3: I have one, like for me, at least one last question and it's more about, Decagon and, and Gumroad like together from both of you because you both sell uh, products online to, to other users and it's sort of blowing up in the most recent years like everyone's starting to sell things but how do you like one is it successful is it something people should start jumping into like two how do you how do you stand out from the crowd like with so many people putting content available online like you can find dozens of landscape shaders for example but what well, makes your one stand out Lincoln, for
2: example? Uh, yeah, that's that's a tough question. It's like I, I think when I first made my landscape shader it, it really did stand out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Still does. Since, since then it's like, you know, Joe Gard came out with uh Brush and Fly and there's a bunch of other people and they're like awesome, right? So um yeah, it's it it's definitely worth it. Uh I think building your stuff on the side. Uh in terms of separating yours from from other products i think you know analyzing those other products and trying to figure out okay well how can i make my product better in you know maybe not every category but maybe it's more optimized maybe uh, it's more visually appealing maybe uh the performance is better maybe uh, it uses later or less uh, shader instruction i don't know like figuring out a way that kind of is devoted to that specific product where it gives an advantage and helps uh, the the user more than another product is is a huge part of marketing any product, right? Yeah. Like, how am I helping people? I think, like, really, if you're going to do this stuff, you have to, like, you have to stop and analyze, like, how can I help people the most with this? Like, what, when I use Unreal, what, what do I need? What do I need help with? Like, if I'm doing this specific thing, like can i create a tiny little tool that will shave off like over a year like you know 50 hours off somebody's pipeline just by clicking a button like i don't know i, I and i think that goes hand in hand with marketing as well like how can you demonstrate that you're going to like help people more than another product and mm-hmm. if if you can't do that and your your product isn't actually doing that then definitely rethink uh, your approach
1: yeah, for sure. I I agree. I think um I think with Decagon we it's founded on a few different things. Like definitely like the like the approach to um, kind of market us as it's like a family of a family of assets and content that you know has a um, moderately similar quality of results. Like you basically when you're buying a Decagon pack, you know you know the quality that you're going to receive. There's not yeah. like a question as to like oh, this one might be a little off or this one might not have been as tailored. And I just find that like having a consistency is really key to a lot of uh, clients and a lot of like buyers and stuff like that. So it's like they'll buy one pack and they'll say like, oh, this pack was great. And it's like, if they know that if they buy the next pack, it's going to be of equal quality, if not better. Um, and so I think that's something really yeah. important to us. And then like you were saying, like marketing and stuff is really huge. Like it's... I don't not to sound too like markety or like businessy but it's like it's almost like a feel like buying the product like you're like oh do I want to buy this random like uh you know pack of like props that like I don't know the textile density and I can't tell like what's going on or do I want to buy this like pack that like visually shows that it's like things are very consistent things are predictable and things like have just like this like sense of polish to it. And so I think that's really important to us as well. Just making sure like, you know, buyers understand that when they look at our assets, they know like, Oh, these are like professional grade quality assets that are coming from like professional grade quality people. Like the artists working on these understand and comprehend like what is needed to make something that's shippable for a product.
2: You're talking about brand recognition, right? Which like you guys definitely have that. Like if, if, uh, You know, if I ever hear the name Decagon, like I instantly think awesome, almost, uh, you know, photo real assets that like that are just solid. So like you guys have that kind of uh, content, content heavy, uh, visually stunning um, brand recognition going for you, right?
1: Yeah, It definitely helps to have like, yeah, like. I think I think if anything I, that I learned from like my background in graphic design was just like how can you market yourself as a better individual or company, and I think that was one thing I definitely wanted to bring to Decagon when I founded it was like just making sure people knew like oh I, I'm buying a product from Decagon, I'm not just buying a random prop pack like it isn't just like another thing that I could just pick up anywhere. It's definitely like a recognizable like institution essentially.
6: I think that consistency that you talked about yeah. is just so important. I mean, it's like when you're buying an Apple product, right? Like they've yeah, always exactly. bought that exact same packaging that really well presented. And, uh, you know, it's so key to even your own art as well. Like having the consistency between, uh, the smallest rock to the, the biggest visual element of the scene. is just, it's so key to the marketing, uh, part of yourself and your art.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I think, uh, like for me, one of the big things that uh, was like absolutely key in terms of like building up my like gumroad and, and whatnot was uh, free, free content. Right. So like uh, creating, you know, like I created like free shaders and, uh, you know, I'd go on vacation and take like photoref packs so I could give those for free to uh, concept artists and stuff. And, uh, you know, because of that, I was, I was helping people, right. I was, And it was free. It's like, oh, anybody goes here, they get, know six free items and you know and then because of that like the minute you launch uh, an actual product like you've helped people and because you've helped people they want to help you right it's like oh you supported them and now they're gonna support you through this so it's like it's kind of just building that relationship of like okay I'm like I'm here to help how do I how do I do that and uh, and then you know and it's not based off of making money it's based off of you know kind of just becoming a better artist or, uh, you know, improving your technical skills or helping people or figuring out solutions, uh, for people technically. And, you know, once you kind of have that, like it'll just kind of go uphill from there. And you know, the pre products will kind of chime into that and then the marketing will chime into that and everything kind of will just get bigger and bigger and the ball will keep rolling. The more you're helping people. Right
3: yeah I guess that kind of the free content is something like a lot of people probably look over like they think oh, i made something I need to set it for for some cash, but I think we all know the the subway scene like that Decagon have made and it is free for everyone mm-hmm. to use and like I can't imagine yeah. how many people buy a decagon product after using that because they know like holy shit that this is rock solid, I need more stuff. I'll get it from them yeah for sure and i I mean I think like
1: I think to one of the big things for me with Decagon was like, I just, I had a, I like I said, I said a little bit earlier in, in this talk, but I, I had a lot of friends that were just like, Oh, I'm in like uh, South Africa. Or I'm in India. Or I'm in Russia. And I, I cannot get a job in North America. Like I'm having such a hard time or like, I can't get in UK. I can't get in Euro. Like I'm just having a really hard time getting a job. And I'm like, damn, you're having a hard time getting a job. The quality of your art is like exceptional. Like what the hell, like what the hell is wrong with you? And it's just like, it just was a way to afford those people the opportunity to have like, to make it like a livable wage and like to continue to like develop their art and be passionate about what they're into and just like share that with the world and like other game studios. So it's like, it's funny because like we had a, we have one artist that was um, uh, from Russia that worked on an asset and he was like, Oh yeah, I had such a hard time getting in the industry. And then I worked with Decagon for a year and a half and then I got a job. And then he's like, and now I just played half life and I just saw half my assets in the game. And I was like, that's Isn't that case. crazy that you could not get a job four years ago, and now your, your assets are literally <laughs> in half-life? I was like, how cool is that? Like, I just love hearing stories like that. Like, it's, just, it's, it's very rewarding to me, and yeah. I think to all of us have gone to hear those kind of things.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a great place to start kind of wrapping up. We do have a couple of questions from uh, our Patreon supporters. Sure. Um, uh, the first one, from Ryan actually relates to what uh, Lincoln was saying just a few minutes ago. Uh, he's asked about how um, Gumroad has contributed to, the, to success and um, advice for an artist looking to set up their own. So, I guess part of what you were mentioning about uh, finding a space in the market or finding a, a way to market yourself and putting it out there uh, is definitely a good start. But have you got any other kind of advice for someone who? wants to look at setting up selling their own their own products online
2: uh for me or clinton
0: well <laughs> whichever uh, whoever Should we start with you lincoln and then we'll jump to clinton after for sure yeah yeah i i think just kind of
2: analyzing uh you know we kind of talked about it the whole time but like analyzing uh what you'd like to do in your spare time and then focusing on that in term not in terms of making money, but in terms of creating something awesome that will help people. And then, uh, you know, when, once, once you've kind of built up your audience through kind of free products and, and whatnot, uh, and actually, sorry, just on that note with Gumroad, like pretty much if you release free products on Gumroad, anytime somebody downloads a free product, they almost essentially like sign up for an email list. Right. So, the person that owns that Emerald account where they downloaded something from, they can, they can, you know, create ads or send emails to like the massive list of people that have actually downloaded their free products. So like that's, you know, if, if you're just going to cold release, uh, you know, a new asset pack that you put onto the Unreal Marketplace and you don't have a pre-existing audience that you can advertise to or that you can get the word out, it's going to be really hard that product to actually just blow up right or or make money it's you know you might make a few hundred dollars off of it or something but like if you have that audience and you have people that are trying to support you because you've supported them and you've helped them then as soon as you release something that's paid it'll just like boom right you'll you'll people will want to buy it and people will be willing to spread the word about it through social media and everything else so um you know, just don't, don't cold release products, focus on creating a brand that, that helps people. And yes, I've said that like 50 times, but I really, it's, I really it's believe important. in it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you I know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, totally to that point. Like, I think like, it's like we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? Like if, if somebody releases something and they're releasing like some kind of sh- giant shader thing, like. Oh, like who is this person? Like, have have they been in any forums showing that they're working on this shader, or they actually are authority on this? Do they do they know what they're talking about? Is this like actually going to add any value to my workflow? And so, I think like you know when you see like LinkedIn release stuff, you're like, oh fuck yeah, this is going to be awesome. Like I know I know this is going to be cool when I open this up, and I know like like from start to the finish, the shader is going to be like set up like really cleanly and neatly and easy to understand, and like the process is going to be great with working with this. But that's because like lincoln's like established himself as an authority within like shader workflows and like understanding that process and so like without like you were saying like just like kind of coming cold into it and not having any background to like i guess kind of like you know umph to your punch to say like oh yeah here's here's what i've been working on i've been sharing with like like social media or like i have been working with a uh, poly count or like art station or working with other artists in some regard in some kind of forum setting or discord like this shows that you like you're actually invested into like the craft and understanding the, the the thing in which you're creating and therefore showing here are the results. When you just skip to the results and nobody knows who you are and your portfolio doesn't show any of that, that prowessness before, it's like, oh well who is this dude making these random things? Like is this person actually like know what they're doing? Is this qual is this asset gonna be of any quality or like uh addition to my workflow? Like I, I have no no way of knowing otherwise.
0: That's a very good point, yeah. About um making sure that you, you kind of build your own presence first before looking at, uh, trying to sell things out there. Um, and, I, and that does kind of come back to what you're saying about looking after your, uh, yourself and your own kind of brand earlier in the, if no one knows about you, they're not going to care about you. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And we have yeah, this- one other question as well. Sorry. Did you have another point for, uh,
1: sure? yeah, I was going to say like, yeah, it's just like, a, I, 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 feel like I hear that too often for like a student will say like, Oh, uh, Like, I I have my portfolio, but why am I not getting jobs? It's like, man, nobody's looking for you. You (laughs) got to (laughs) like, like I I hate to tell you, but like, there's no guy out there like looking for portfolios and being like, oh yeah, this is the one I'm after. Like, especially for (laughs) someone that hasn't had like, uh, like you know, previous experience. And so I think, yeah, just like you're saying, like selling that, selling that experience is like, here's what I'm capable of, and here's what I'm offering. It really, really just propels yourself forward as like a any kind of social presence.
2: interesting like tim simpson actually put out an article a while ago about like why art station is so essential Mm -hmm. it's like yeah everybody's portfolio is located in the same place can you remember like 10 years ago it was like everybody had URLs for (laughs) like how's a recruiter supposed to find you unless you market yourself like (laughs) they cannot unless they just know you know yeah that's that that's kind of scary. Like, there's there's heavy marketing involved if you want to kind of build up your brand, right?
3: Sure, you need that yeah. presence online. Um, like, you need people to remember yeah. your name to to put yeah. you in
5: that referral box. Definitely.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a interesting thing that him actually said before. I can't remember where he said it, yeah. but, but he was saying about um, the if you if you achieve mastery, then the jobs will come to you. Rather than you having to look for the jobs, so oh, that's,
1: okay. that's a good way to think about it for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's like that was. From you Tim. should be focused on building
5: your craft. Yeah, yeah cool. I think that's we- true. So I think that's something people should follow along, take that advice to heart.
0: Yeah. And our other question from Gold Panda. Um, so he's asking about um, with all the 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 virus stuff going along, um, people have noticed that it can be a lot more difficult. To get jobs, or companies are more reluctant to necessarily hire someone from abroad than they have been before. Is that something that you think we might see as more of a pattern, or do you think the trend with work from home might change that, where companies are more willing to have people working remote? Um, what kind of, how do you see the the kind of landscape of games jobs changing um, based on the kind of uh, current world events? Uh, should we start with Clinton?
1: Sure. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of companies, I mean, like you guys have seen all the stuff with like Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff where they're just like, Oh yeah, you can work from home now because it worked." Like I think a lot of companies are just really fearful of like, would this system work? Like, would we still be as productive, if not more productive? Um, and I think a lot of companies are seeing that the success rate is still really high, like as to like how people are working from home and, and getting things done still. Like, Like we were just talking about a little bit earlier before the podcast, like we were saying, like, some of you guys were like saying like you work harder now because you're at home because you don't have like the distractions that you had previously. And it's like it is I think it's super important to have those social interactions, and to have those like ways to communicate with your team and like those face to face things. But I do think there is some kind of merit to that where people are, are more focused on what they're able to do and accomplish in a given day when they're at home sometimes. And so I find that definitely my day to day is is since working more from home comparatively or working in the studio, like I feel like I get exponentially more done at home um but i think like i think studios are starting to realize that and i think there's going to definitely be a push for a lot more remote based studios um moving to the future where people are just completely remote like uh, decagon's been remote yeah. since our creation we've we've only focused as as remote and that's our key focus moving forward so it's like I- i've seen success in it and i i'm very happy with the results that we've been able to do and so i i see a lot of other studios probably finding the same results and, and seeing that same kind of trend moving forward.
2: I Yeah, it's pretty amazing, man. Like o- over the next like 10 years, I think there's going to be some massive changes in, in the way that we approach building software. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like whether or not that includes VR or AR or, you know, simulating office environments. You know, I'm kind of going into conspiracy link. Conspiracy theory <laughs> Uh but yeah, no, I, I, man, I totally agree. I think like companies kind of just needed to be put in that situation where like this is the only option we have. And oh wait, yeah, it actually does work. Uh, I think the the big challenge is going to be um, uh, kind of meshing the two together for the next like few years at least, because sure. you know there's there's people that are really good at working from home, and then there's other people that have a hard time with it, right? They don't want to be in their apartment for 24-7. And, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, setting up the office environment so that, you know, you can have the, the best of both worlds. Like, yeah, you're, some employees can go in when they want, others can stay at home. Uh, but I think like having that actually work between the two of them at the same time, you know, for example, like, oh, we have a meeting and there's like eight people in the office, but then we have to call in four people that are working from home at the same time, and you know there's audio issues because of the microphones, whatever it may be. I, I think that's going to be the main challenge when all this COVID stuff is done, for sure. Right, right. Uh, and it, you know it's also more complicated. Like some people have kids, and I think COVID just complicates everything. Like as soon as <laughs> kind of COVID is is out of the way, uh, and you know people that uh, have kids, and you know they, their kids can't go to daycare because of the virus as soon as that is kind of not nearly as much of an issue anymore. I think working from home isn't going to be as bad as it was before. I do think it's still going to be an issue, but I don't think it's going to matter that it's an issue over the next 10 years because everything is going to transition more to work from home. Like it's like, oh, if I can, if I can lower the expenses of the company by like, you know, 50% or like 10%, whatever it is, depending on the size of the company, by not having a studio where I don't have to pay the real estate for a studio. Plus I can also hire people across the world, uh, you know, that are talented as fuck that I couldn't hire before. <laughs> like you were saying, like, yeah. dude, why, why wouldn't I do that? Like, sure. Especially if you're trying to build a business, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunity for, uh, smaller groups of people to form, big ideas and big companies in the future, not just because of technological advancement, but also because, you know, we're, because of the internet, we're capable of working with talented people across the world that we weren't able to work with before, you know, potentially because of visa issues, potentially because of immigration, potentially because of salaries, potentially because of the, like the list goes on, right? Um, Before
1: we to the concept of like what that's been kind of set for you, because like now it's like the outreach is like infinite, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, we're yeah. in a, we're in a very uh, brave new world <laughs> right yeah. now. It's, it's pretty not.
6: It really helps yeah. those artists that have their dream companies, but they can't work for those dream companies because they visas or whatever. Right. And.
1: Definitely. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's frustrating. I get it. Like I've had so many friends be like, like super talented and it just, just, it just can't get their foot in the door because of like either, you know, such, like say for instance, we have one artist that's worked with decagon a few times and he's really talented, but he's from Cuba. Like he's like, he's basically screwed. Like he's not going to be able to get a job in America anytime soon, unless their relationships improve, you know, like that's yeah. very frustrating. That's shitty. That's, that's not his, that's not his fault, but yet he's put in yeah. that scenario. And so he has to overcome. And the only way you can, is like working with studios like Decagon and other, you know, remote studios where it's like, you're able to do that. Like you're able to still produce the results and, and work on the games that you wanted to work on. But it's just like, it's a different capacity of, of, of that outreach for sure. I think, uh, I think my favorite story yeah. I've heard so far from this whole COVID thing is uh, I forget what, stu- what company it was or what studio it was, but they meet every morning for their meeting uh, on Red Dead online, and then they play an hour that's together, awesome. and then and then they get to work. I'm like, that's the best. You can just like <laughs> all meet in like a virtual setting, yeah. you play for an hour to like get a warm up, just get a little bit of camaraderie going, and then you just get to work. I think. I mean, so Clinton, fun. like we
3: can do that, you know, like just to <laughs> ESP me up every you day for Red yeah, Dead. That'd be fun, man.
6: <laughs> it's so fun. I was like, that's such a cool idea. I love that. Or you just get really worked up because someone keeps <laughs> killing you over and over and over yeah. yeah. They're trying to take revenge. <laughs> I'm going to give them the shit tasks today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so fun. I love that stuff. That's
0: awesome. Don't lasso
5: your lead. That's the...
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. And we on that note, were... oh, we, we always start a poker game in Red Dead. By the end of it, somebody's been shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, always the producer <laughs> <laughs> it's so
4: fun.
0: Love it. right well thank you so much guys for joining us today this one's gone on wow i think we've been talking for about an hour and a half now so it's really cool there's been some really great stuff discussed great. so uh thanks you to our wonderful guests uh clinton and lincoln for joining us today and thank you for sure. to um and luan for being here to help with uh with asking questions. Always a uh, pleasure. Always. If you want to be more involved with the XP um, or pick up more information, head over to the website, check out the Twitter, or join our amazing Discord community. Thanks everyone for joining us today and take care.